Welcome to Storyboard. I'm Lars. I'm Meg. We dive into overlooked films and TV and pitch stories that need to be made. Today we're discussing the very meta, sometimes obnoxious, genre of movies about movies. We'll warm up by sharing some movies that should have been series and series that should have been movies. Then we'll pitch an original story with a very special twist and talk about what's currently on our radar. Pull up a chair, baby. So I am way more into movies than TV shows, I've realized. Mm -hmm. Like, I will seriously drop a TV show. Or a series. Whatever. Whatever. I do have a television that I watch things on. (laughs) But I'll drop a show on a dime if I think that it's dragging or if it's, like, got too much filler. Mm -hmm. Like, I will just... I can never know what happens again. And I think we kind of started talking about this idea of TV shows that would have been better just like cut out eight hours worth of stuff (laughs) and make it a movie or um the rare case i guess Mm -hmm. where a movie should be developed into a tv show Mm -hmm. or at least from my opinion yeah because maybe the the characters are so entertaining or the story's so rich that like oh man they really like you're you're left wanting more and i Mm -hmm. think we originally started talking about this because my friend david suggested talking about movies or shows where the ending just like ruined it for you Mm -hmm. and then we started talking talking about shows that just really shit the bed. Yeah, or we could have at least like trimmed the fat and like give me the goods. Yeah, Yeah. so the first one I thought of, um, when we're talking about show to movie or movie to show conversion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first one, the first show on my radar is obviously Lost because I definitely watched it when it was on. Oh, yeah. But that last season sucked, we can all admit. And yeah. pretty much ruined the show, at least for me. Mm-hmm. And you found out later they had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, I'm just which like, infuriates <laughs> me, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm so much sorry time people spent. Yeah. But I think if they had tightened it into like a 90-minute or two-hour movie and just kept it really taut and the ending mysterious, it would have been this surreal, mm-hmm. immersive sci-fi, yeah. maybe like Annihilation vibes, and people would have thought it was an interesting like mood piece. Yeah, I'm fine with leaving that mystery, and like I actually would have preferred it because there was some point kind of in the middle where the guy Ben from the other, sorry to get into it, but like yeah. went into Whitmore, Richard, what, is that his name? I, Whit, something. I, Richard, I think I'm saying Richard, Richard Widmark, which is an actor. <laughs> yeah, whatever, sorry, the, the old Mr. British Mr. guy, and yeah. he was like, that's what I want is just two yes. old white dudes like yes. fucking everyone up because they want the island because it's mysterious and then maybe we never know we what never the mystery know. is. Yeah. yeah. Like that would have been a much more oh fitting. Oh my God, that'd be a brilliant show. Exactly. Yeah. Or for me, movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's just make like, a movie. <laughs> I just want a movie. I yeah. don't. Like I said, TV shows I will not stick with generally. Yeah. Um, another one for me sorry everybody I feel like I have to preface this because this is one of those shows that I feel like you can't say anything bad about um without people jumping down your throat you you might have heard a little toot there and that was a toot of protest (laughs) um Twin Peaks I Mm -hmm. 
So for me, there's just a lot of stuff that well, Delish puts two. in there yeah. just to freak your beans. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, there's a lot of just like weird shit that it turns out. Again, it's just him being like, can I get away with adding this in? Yeah. And I really think it could work as a film trilogy somewhere between the original show oh, content, yeah. Fire Walk With Me, and then the new series. I think there Which actually is like a film. Okay, well, I think there's like a film mm-hmm. trilogy in there. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, because I guess Lost, I didn't know this until Joel pointed out that Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire are actually part of like a film trilogy. Oh, I don't think I knew that either. I, yeah. Hmm, so sure. based on that, I do think you can pull like three solid movies out of the meandering, bizarro, shaggy dog of like the <laughs> yeah. Twin Peaks verse. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, let's just slash it down. Yeah. Slash it down. Uh, and... I started pondering. I was like, is there a single movie? Because I would think of movies I loved, and I'm like, no, but it's perfect if it ended as is. Mm-hmm. But I did think of one, one film that I would turn into a TV show. So to me, I think Foxy Brown was ripe for an entire TV series. I want to order a 10-episode reboot of mm-hmm. Foxy Brown directed by Boots Riley. All right. That is, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, we're talking like the 70s, the, the Pam Greer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, I oh. think I've seen it. It's so, it's great. Ooh, She's right. great. But just imagine a limited series reboot. I actually think that you could have Pam Greer reprise her role as like mm. an older, wiser Foxy Brown. Ooh, yeah. Or you could have it recast with a new actress. But yeah. I think either way. I'd love that. I would love that. I haven't that. even seen it, and I love it. No, no. It's, I really feel like there's a lot There's there's a lot of action packed into that film, and a lot of different people she intersects with, like Black Panthers and stuff, that I oh, feel like okay. you could really like build into at least a limited series, for sure. For okay. sure. Okay. Well, some for me that I would like to rework, uh, there's just a whole bunch of Netflix things I'm just going to run through. Yeah. Russian Doll. I don't know if there were like, what, eight or ten episodes or something? There should have been like... Five or six. I mean, just trim that fat. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. I thought the ending was was fine. It's just how long it takes to get there. I understand it's all about repetition, but come on, let's trim it down. Um, the Black Mirror episode, Bandersnatch. Huh. This isn't so much a, shor- a shortening, lengthening. It's just a where's the beef? Give me some more story points or, you know, some more plot points, story elements. And Haunting of Hill House. Just going to breach, you know, they're just going to mention that. Yeah. Um, that... Well, anyways, the whole ending should have gone. And then, again, trim the fat and change the ending, and then it could have been an amazing shorter mini. So some of these are more like you were tweaking the series show itself. Into this a is like a series. This is a series into a miniseries yeah. kind of situation. So that's just one thing there. Yeah. I want any Kate Bush music video to be extended into a full, like a feature length fantasy film. F- future fantasy film. What's that's just the a- movie that she made with the red shoes? Basically, I watched. Oh, There's like <gasps> a whole. It's Gasp. really weird. Yeah, there is a weird long musical film like her Xanadu. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Okay. Anyway, I can't remember. What it's called. I saw okay. it at Holocene a while ago, but it's okay. kind of like what you're talking All about. All right. Well, then maybe yeah. it already exists. I already sh- You called it forth. <laughs> That's the secret. <laughs> I not shipped it, but... Yeah. <laughs> you manifested yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, with Nail and I, I just rewatched yeah. it. I know it's a classic. Yeah. And I love it. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. So, it's a 1987 film about tr- two uh, drunken, drugged-out actors in the late 60s, written and directed by um, Bruce Robinson. And uh, like I said, I think it's a brilliant film, but I, I kind of feel like it's sort of a two-act movie. And 
I feel like there's really not much of the first act. They kind of just immediately go from London to like the countryside. And I want, uh, I would love it to be extended, have been extended into a series. Yeah. Because again, modern day, this is more, again, like a fantasy, a fan fiction thing here. (laughs) Um, I mean, it could be recast. It could be done. But I I just want to know more about, you know, them going on auditions in London. Their other friends, Mm -hmm. you know, them like, you know, hitting on on birds and pubs, you know. I mean, it might be creepy, but it might be hilarious if they get shut (laughs) down. Yeah, either an extended first scene of that movie, but I, I really think as a series it would be yeah. even more Turn brilliant. Turn it into hilarious. like Toast of London style oh, show. Oh, that would be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So that's my that's my fantasy. I'm sold. That's my fantasy. Here, I'm the studio exec. Here's your <laughs> here, money. Here you go, kid. You've got Moxie. <laughs> Well, today we're talking about the ubiquitous genre of movies about movies. So directors just love to turn the mirror around. Yeah. Wait. No. <laughs> sure. I, I, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Turn the mirror. The mirror has two the, faces. The it's a real Babs scenario. Yes. Um, I need to see that film. Or do oh, I? I? Anyway, mean, there's no, a lot of no. taupe, like a lot of ooh, really great taupe okay, nails and like lush peach tones. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, movies about movies. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did you have any like l- notes or like any any uh, missteps or any? Mm. Uh, well, yeah. I watched The Player for the first time, mm-hmm. which is the Altman movie that people love and yeah. talk about as like the iconic movie mm-hmm. about movie making, yeah. and I. I was honestly watching it being like, am I losing it? Because this is one of the biggest pieces of trash I've ever seen. I get that it has that one long opening shot. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, it was so desperately poorly written. Oh, yeah. We actually looked it up because we were like, why is his dialogue bananas? Yeah. And it was the same guy who wrote Gleaming the Cube. Just like this total like I don't hack even writer. Oh, it's like is. a dumb skateboarding movie. Oh, okay. from like, I mean, just like, like trash. What? Like just imagine like the okay. trashiest. It's just oh, so painful. That was a big mistake. So I was like trying mm. to get myself warmed up. Yeah. And I was like, I've never seen this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am a contrarian, but this is not me being a contrarian. Yeah. It was truly so contemptibly badly written mm. that I am shocked that it is Yeah, it's kind of lauded, I mean, in a way. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, it's supposed to be like his comeback. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, my God, what embarrassing trash. All three of mine, I can guarantee, are more fun to watch okay. than that. I just, no, not to oversell, but. No. Um, I always confuse it with Hudsucker Proxy because. <gasps> Hudsucker Proxy is so good. Is it? Okay, I guess oh. I'm not like a big Coen Brothers I'm not person, either, but that's so my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I can't remember anything about it. I just know it's, what's his name? What's Tim, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins? Okay. Yeah. I just know he's yeah, in both he's of in them. It. And he's, he's wearing, wearing big suits. suits and he's, he's wearing, wearing big suits. suits. No. And he's Hudsucker Proxy. Making deals. It's so good. Oh, but okay. it's like, it's like a world apart, I would say. And the characters are almost flipped. Okay. Anyway. Sorry, that's just a personal thing. I'm like, I'm always like, wait, which is which? <laughs> yeah. I, anyway, that was a precursor misstep to me well my first one is not a mist there's not really a transition it's a yeah it's good it's a a proper step in the right direction okay so it's called center stage not the dance film from 2000 or whatever so it's also known as actress 
So both, I mean, so it's kind of ungoogleable in a way, unless you're typing in that it was made in 1991 okay. by queer director uh, Stanley Kwan of the Hong Kong New Wave, kind of was uh, starting that in like the, the early 80s. So it is okay, not the dance film that I think an old <laughs> high school boyfriend did get me on DVD. Oh, for, wow, I was like, I've never seen this. Game. I don't know what this is. Why did you think you're I like, like this? I'm not a dancer. I'm, yeah, but anyway, that's just a side note there. For <laughs> I'm just like, that's my little memory of, of yeah. Center Stage. I was Opening like, it and being I like, think I, I own that on DVD somewhere in storage. Mm. No, anyway. Um, so it's the 1991 biopic, uh, famous real life silent era Chinese actress Ruin Ling Yu. It's played by Maggie Chung, um, mm. just a goddess. So the film chronicles Ling Yu's rise to fame in uh, Shanghai during the 1930s. Uh, she was nicknamed Chinese Garbo, which I know that's pretty reductive, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, she began her acting career when she was 16, became one of the most famous actresses of her day, starred in dozens of films, uh, most of which sadly are lost. And then she died by suicide at age 24 in 1935, possibly due to pressure from the press, uh, her career, and an abusive relationship. And apparently her funeral was one of those those items you hear about on You Must Remember This, wherein the uh, procession was like three miles long and three women died by suicide during the event. Oh my goodness. Which is kind of like a Rudolph Valentino sort of yeah. era thing. But anyway, back to the film. <laughs> um, I just thought that was, that uh, is was notable. a little yeah. interesting. So center stage um, alternates between present day scenes, production talks between director Kwan, Chong and her co-stars, and interviews of people who actually knew uh, Ling Yu, and recreations of scenes with Chung as as Ling Yu, um, acting inside of the movie, mm-hmm. and then extracts from Ling Yu's original films, including her two final films, The Goddess and New Women. So just a, Ooh, l- a lot, go- a lot yeah. of layers going on there. So definitely has a vibe similar to that of um, Iranian director Abbas Kiarostami. And a film I mentioned earlier in the year for my mood board, uh, in the mood board episode, A Man Vanishes. So if you like films that blend reality and narrative, and if you want to see a biopic that doesn't suck, um, (laughs) then definitely check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. So yeah, a lot to like there. Yeah. Not the dance film. Yeah, it's not. not I just for a third time. There's a dance on the cover. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No. So I actually outsourced part of my list. I was just having a hard time coming up with some some little juicy bits that I actually wanted to talk about that weren't just, oh, adaptation or something like that. Um, so my first pick was actually suggested by my friend Paul, who had the genius thought to include Almodovar's 2009 film Broken Embraces. Ooh. And I kind of feel like even though... Moldova is this giant. People really don't appreciate how consistently fantastic his recent films are. Yeah. His 80s and 90s movies get more love, but the level of quality, like the mm-hmm. baseline quality you can expect from him is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, especially in comparison with a lot of his peers. Yeah. His movies will always look amazing. They will always serve up this impeccable editing great cinematography, and the performances that he gets out of actors, I really think is very impressive. Uh, so thank you, Paul, for reminding <laughs> me of this movie and for the suggestion. It just did not come to my mind because yeah. I just don't think of like his more recent stuff. Mm-hmm. So in Broken Embraces, the story is told by Harry Kane, who is this blind screenwriter. And in present day, he's recounting the story of his previous life under his real name, Mateo, 
In his previous life, he was a film director in this tragic romance with the actress Magdalena, who was played to perfection by Penelope Cruz, mm. Almodovar's sort of muse and leading yeah. lady. And so it alternates between 2009 and then 1994 when they were filming what would be his last movie or mm. their last movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much every single frame of Broken Embraces is technically perfect. Like you mm-hmm. find yourself wanting to pause and just linger on these mm-hmm. shots that are so luxurious mm-hmm. and like vivid. It has the look of like a Hitchcock or Douglas Sirk film yeah. and that same kind of low ominous tone throughout. Uh, it has that erotic thriller aspect, oh, I yeah. think, lurking in there that works really well. There are actually several movies nested within this one. And the film that Matteo and Magdalena are making, which is released without their input in an act of obsessive revenge from the film's producer, is in the final scene re-edited by Matteo properly. And as you're watching it, the film, as he re-edits it, is pretty recognizably similar to Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown which was his 1988 film that sort of made his name internationally, and that's quite intentional. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think he's this virtuoso, and you can really see him just trying things out, just showing out, just throwing yeah. a little something in. It's kind of, honestly, it's kind of like watching Steph when the Warriors are really rolling. You just gotta, <laughs> I, it really is. Wrong no. podcast. You just have to like watch and appreciate the flourishes he can put in just because he can. So I feel like athleticism. I mean, really, though, (laughs) like he can just do things that other people are not capable of doing so smoothly. So it's Broken Embraces is probably not like 2015 championship warriors, but it's probably more like 2018 warriors where it's easy to forget that you're experiencing this master class put on by this generational talent. And we should just appreciate it in the moment. I, I have seen it, but it's been a minute, so you're really making me want to rewatch oh, it. Oh, I want and you I, to rewatch it. I think I kind of confuse it with what's the one he made right before or after? It was like, I'm trying to not say Volva, but it's like Volver. Volver? Okay. Yeah, I, I which is also like, Pen- Volver is like Volver. to return. Yeah, which is also Penelope Cruz, also yeah. incredible. So I I think in my mind, I've, I can't remember either, but also I blend them, so I need, yeah. to, I need to rewatch both of them. Well, speaking of Almodovar and his pals, Erebato, also known as Rapture, ah. 1979, from Spain. Yeah. Um, so this was a peer of his, a friend of his. And Almodovar also did the voiceover of one of the actresses because the director thought he had more of a feminine voice. So, And <laughs> it is it. apparent because I was like, what is wrong with that? I was like, something's up with this actress. So I was like, oh, and I, I was like, oh, I remember I read that. So it made you, more sense. So know that going in. Yeah. <laughs> also know going in that this is definitely an ugly swan situation where, mm. sorry, I couldn't find. I wanted to watch this so bad. Yeah. And I just... I refused to give up, and so I found a file that only had the Spanish language that in no subtitles. So I just kind of guessed what was yeah, happening based okay. on context and reading articles. So sorry, but this is a journey. This is the journey I went on. Yeah, sure. And I desperately want to see it with subtitles so I can fully grasp because there's a lot of kind of dense themes. So um, I am obsessed with lost films um, or films that if you see them, you become cursed or they consume you, or you die, or whatever, you know, something mysterious happening. I'm completely into that. So, as far as I can tell, (laughs) (laughs) um, a lot of this was told in flashbacks, too, so that kind of, uh, the flow of it, I may not be getting the timing exactly right, but 
Uh, a filmmaker named Jose is stuck in a sophomore slump while editing his second film. And he's also pretty busy doing a lot of cocaine and heroin <laughs> with his girlfriend. It's the 70s. You know, and he receives a film kind of like a, I don't know, like, it's like smaller than eight millimeter type. But anyways, he gets like a, a actual like celluloid film mm-hmm. and uh, audio cassette in the mail from a strange cinephile acquaintance of his named Pedro, which again, I'm like, is that because of... Almodovar? I'm not sure. So in a raspy, whispery voiceover that is kind of annoying. Anyway, uh, Pedro (laughs) Pedro, uh, relays to Jose, thus the audience, that um, one night after falling asleep, he discovered that his camera turned on by itself and filmed him like in his bed. After developing the film, he discovers that one of the frames was red, uh, just completely red. Pedro allows the camera to film him multiple times as he sleeps, only to discover that the red still frames are growing in number, <gasps> so continuously more red. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like a, a vampire element to this, mm-hmm. too, in a way, like it's sucking the life out of him, maybe. So um, he so Pedro continues to film himself, and when he only has one more frame left before the entire reel or whatever is, is red, Pedro sends the film, his audio instructions, and his apartment key to Jose, instructing him to come to his apartment and develop the final film. So Jose complies, and we're led to believe that he meets a similarly mysterious rapture, uh, Mm -hmm. just like Pedro. So, like, again, I'm just, I kind of gathered that, so I may be a little off on that. Again, love the idea of this dark, Lacanian force that uh, once seen cannot be unseen, or, you know, whether it's a film or the experience of being filmed, there's sort of the other, the gays, there's so many different, like... Like, again, like Lacanian elements there. And the director, um, who I don't think I've even mentioned his name yet, Ivan Zulueta, also appears to be equally mysterious in real life. He mostly directed short films and also designed posters for Almodovar, mm. like his early films. Mm. So I'd like, yeah, I'm just, I'm I don't know. One of his, like, um, early, like, his colleagues, like 70s, 80s. Yeah, huh? so I want to know more about that guy. But um, it is just a perfect uh, Instagram fodder. I don't know how to say it. Like, yeah. it's just the stills. It's just, it was given good still. It was given yeah. good screen grab. I think I've seen, like, I've heard of it. So it's out there somewhere. Maybe yeah. we can do, maybe we can do it. I once in one of my Soviet film classes, we had a film that my uh, professor just tr- translated real time. She just sat and translated for us real time. Maybe oh, we'll wow. do that with this movie. I'll try. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> we'll try to do that. Or I'm like, I, this is, I think, what I'm generally the gist. <laughs> so it's like when I go to the like when I'm watching a, a movie in the theaters, like with James, and I go to the bathroom. I'm like, what happened? And he's like, Shh, like yeah, exactly. except, except the entire <laughs> movie. The entire thing. <laughs> Sorry, that's we'll just shitty. Do that just chill. yeah, just that you know, <laughs> yeah. just whisper in my ear. <laughs> It's a real ASMR <laughs> film yeah. experience. Also available on our fake Patreon. Mm. That's a good idea. It's like director's commentary. It's, it's, like, it's like whispering, whispering like, here's my take on this. What could be less annoying than yeah, that? Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no transition. <laughs> my uh, next pick, I have loved and I was so happy to see that it holds up so beautifully. Uh, Living in Oblivion, 1995, Mm. directed by Tom DeSillo. Uh, He started as a cinematographer who worked on movies like Stranger Than Paradise. I think he Mm. collaborated with Jim Jarmusch. He also directed Box of Moonlight with John Turturro, which is a movie I weirdly (gasps) love. Oh, wait. I've been wanting to see that. Oh, it's so (gasps) good. Okay, sorry. Okay, well, maybe we'll we'll have a movie.
movie night okay, later okay. and watch it. Um, but Living in Oblivion all takes place in one day of filming on the set of this indie movie. So Steve Buscemi is the director. Catherine Keener is the actor. Mm. Dermot Mulroney is the DP in a role that makes you like Dermot Mulroney more <laughs> than you ever have. And I have to say, I think I can now tell him apart from Dylan McDermott oh forever because I know of that role. I know that's like a total joke that everyone's tired of, but I it, honestly, it, really it takes impossible. me a minute. But you see him in his little yeah. leather vest and his little beret and you're All like, right. yep, yeah, okay, Dermot okay. Mulroney. Peter Dinklage is also very good in it. Ooh. He has a really funny role that is um, kind of anticipates some of his later work. Yeah. It really is an inside joke about indie filmmaking, but it's so accessible and funny and self-aware in this good, open way that it's just a treat to watch. You will feel in on the joke. Mm -hmm. uh, so it centers on this incredibly put-upon director played by Duchemi. Duchemi? Duchemi. <laughs> Bobo Duchemi. Bobo, yeah. This is, that's his, his cousin. Played by Steve Buscemi in like a little leather jacket. And the actor played by Catherine Keener and their anxieties and struggles just getting through this day's shoot, just trying to get it to the finish line. So there's boom mics floating into the shot, and there's <laughs> oh a malfunctioning my. smoke machine where, like, the guys are like, I got it. Don't you worry about that. It's going to smoke like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> there's forgotten lines. There's egotistical big-name actors. Uh, there's weird sound interference from the street. There's this mother with dementia. It's just like, they just keep throwing in. They're like, and what if it's very, oh. almost like improper. Like, what if this and this? Mm -hmm. So it's just really good at turning the kind of stress of working on films into good comedy. Uh, it also really looks terrific. Uh, the production designer was Therese Deprez, who was a bit of a powerhouse. She worked on very diverse films from Happiness to Hedwig and The Angry Inch. Ooh. Black Swan, Stoker, mm. just like a real... I mean, yeah, style-wise, those Yeah, great. all really amazing uh, looking films. And Catherine Keener just looks so luminous. I mean, she's a great Ooh. actor, but she mm -hmm. just looks so like this little ingenue oh, indie actress. It. Oh, and at one point, this is a little style note, um, <laughs> the director's assistant wears this bright blue troll doll blouse that I would absolutely love to track down. <laughs> I will be posting a picture of it so that people okay. can tell me. Yeah, I need to it's like this 90, right, 90s, like bright, like cerulean blue, and then there's these little red-haired troll dolls on it. But okay. wise that is just, it's great. It looks okay. like something that like Parker Posey would wear. Okay. So it's uh, Living in Oblivion is free on Tubi, that weird channel. I don't know. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> if you have the movie channel on Amazon. Um, oh. You can also track it down on DVD pretty easily. It came up in the library catalog when I searched. Question, does he have long hair? Does Steve Buscemi have yeah. long hair? Okay, I thought I remember that, and I'm like, I'm into it. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's, it's it's like, the one time I'm like, all right. No, it's you like know? you're kind of like, oh. I, you know. And especially because... Catherine Keener's character has a crush on him, you're like, I can see it. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, I love, as you know, I love John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. So I managed to find one of the few Carpenters, um, this sounds weird, one of the few Carpenters I hadn't seen, Cigarette Burns. Mm. It was the eighth episode of season one of Masters of Horror, a series on Showtime. Mm. It aired in 2005. I don't know anything about the series. I didn't look that up. But anyway, so it's a, more of an episode or a short film, but okay. I think it counts. Yeah. Um, okay. So Norman Reedus, who I think is an actor on The Walking Dead or something. I don't know or care. Anyways, he's an actor. <laughs> and I think he's also a boondock saint, so he's okay. got two strikes against him right there. <laughs> um, he stars as a, a man that owns a small art house cinema. And to earn extra cash, he tracks down prints of rare films for wealthy cinephiles. So he's hired by German character actor 
Udo Kier, <gasps> who's in the original Suspiria and like a million things. Oh my god, yes. 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 I love His him. eyes are as blue as the sea. Yeah. Um, so he's hired by him to track down the sole print of the infamous fake, um, a lost French film, <laughs> Le Fin Absolu de Mont. Uh, translated as the absolute end of the world. Uh, upon its sole screening 30 years prior, the audience erupted into a homicidal frenzy, and the film was thought to have been destroyed. So Cigarette Burns follows the lead as he tracks down the print to devastating consequences. Oh. So, May, this pushes all my buttons. John Carpenter, yeah. horror, uh-huh. lost films. Ooh. And again, any film or artwork they experience, and you automatically go mad yeah. or die or cursed or whatever. That forbidden fruit is just so juicy. So um, anyway, it's available on Voodoo and Vimeo for free. And then I think a lot of other places. A lot of other places. Yeah. Well, if you like (laughs) films that depict films driving you to madness, (laughs) you are going to love my last pick, which is Fade to Black. So 1980, directed by Vernon Zimmerman. I didn't find a lot of other credits for him, so I don't know. Uh, I'm not really super familiar with him. He wrote Teen Witch, I guess. And he also directed a 1972 movie called The Unholy Rollers about roller derby that I would like to now Hmm. see. All right. Fade to Black is about, oh, we all know this type, a lonely, (laughs) creepy film buff played Mm. by Dennis Christopher. So, I mean, about this, around the same time as Breaking Away came out, I think, hmm, in its 1980. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Dennis Christopher is this weirdo <laughs> who knows a lot of trivia about films. Uh, he responds to his perceived rejection by society and specifically a Marilyn Monroe lookalike from Australia. Oh, yeah, I just see the trailer. She looks yes, just, just like, like Marilyn Monroe. It is uncanny. Like, crazy. It okay, is. sorry to interrupt, but okay. No, no, fully, like... Like, it's, it's crazy. Real. There's a point where they have her as Marilyn, and I'm like, wait, is this... Is they this get archival footage? footage? Yeah, I just yeah. didn't know. <laughs> so his response to this rejection Ugh. is cosplaying as characters from his favorite <laughs> films and committing some murders. Hey, I mean, <laughs> that's pushing a lot of buttons for me right it there. Really I'm, is. I'm sorry. It's when I found it, I was like, this is like the most Lars movie ever. It is the most Lars catnip. <laughs> it is. Um, so by day, he works at this film exchange in LA. He lives in Venice with his frightening old shut-in aunt and then he spends his nights either going to see screenings of classic movies or screening his own in like his little movie shrine style Mm -hmm. room i mean it's basically just this weird sort of uneven little horror movie but what i do think it does super accurately is nail that kind of tiresome film fan who somehow thinks that knowing like obscure pieces of trivia or like production details about films is some kind of badge of honor they can hold over people. Mm -hmm. I mean, Christopher's character is basically a Gamergate-style incel, (laughs) but with film culture subbed in for gaming. Yeah. Uh, I actually went back and read Roger Ebert's original review from 1980, and it was generally positive, but he opened it as follows. Almost every day, I get half a dozen calls from readers who urgently need the answers to obscure questions about a movie lore. Today's latest, quote, after Tarzan said, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, what did Jane say back? Unquote. <laughs> it astonishes me that people expect movie critics to have answers to these questions, which require the addictive, repetitive viewing of old movies. Indeed, I sometimes think movie trivia is an avoidance of movie art. Obsession with the license plate on a movie character's car has nothing to do with the movie in question, but it does place a trivia addict in a safe position of ascendancy over the larger issues in the movie. Hmm. 
let that be a cautionary tale to us all. The next time we want yeah. you will actually somebody about oh. something in a film. Uh, you can watch Fade to Black on YouTube. Oh, my God. I definitely will. Oh, yeah. Tonight. Ooh. Just watching your creepy little, like, shrine bedroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, it's time for us to hang out with the Dead Pitch Society. (laughs) (laughs) So every episode we play a game where we each bring two movie elements unknown to one another, and we pitch a movie on the spot. And this time we threw a little wrench in it for ourselves. I think we both just kept coming up with actors who are now deceased, so we decided to do a pitch that's just exclusively actors who are no longer with us. Uh, so Lars is leading this time, and I think you also maybe have a working title for us. Yes. So the working title is a fun um, 1965 Suzuki film called Stories of Bastards, colon, Born Under a Bad Star. So Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's a good it. one, right? <laughs> so no relation. Okay, so I got actual, like, maybe real titles, because okay. I think this idea is pretty good. So James and I kind of came up with this one because i was like okay i know i want karen black she's like my all-time okay. i don't know, i just love her so she was in like i don't know everything in the 70s and yeah. she's in like a bunch of horror movies um she's also a really good singer or at least i don't know i have this affinity for her voice i'm obsessed with it. i could see how someone maybe wouldn't like it because it's a lot of falsetto but i'm um obsessed with her voice so i would and she wrote and sang a lot of songs in movies in the 70s so that would be another stipulation sorry there's gonna be a song Mm -hmm. or at least on the soundtrack or something so you got karen black allow it and i thought okay karen black what is i was just trying to think of what is the movie that if someone was like we found a lost movie from the 70s it's starring karen black what would be my fan is like my fanfic movie so james had the idea of like he's like okay nursing homes they're scary so yeah. i was like okay i was like okay a horror film starring yeah. karen black okay. as like a night nurse at a nursing home in hollywood Ooh. and so it's in the 70s so all the patients are old hollywood or silent film stars yeah. so you got and like so again this is in my fantasy this is like real old film stars like oh. so this is me in the 70s so there's like buster keaton i don't know who's alive in the 70s but yeah. you get what i'm saying like a buster keaton louise brooks Betty Davis, whatever, yeah. you know. And then something nefarious is happening, either, like, to the mm. patients or by the patients. So I thought maybe in the end, like, maybe it's sort of like you think she's like, oh, my God, what's happening? Something's going on with the pa- like, to the patients. Like, they're the victims. Yeah. But then maybe in the end scene, she finds out that it's actually, they're the ones, kind of like Hot Fuzz. You know, they're the yeah. ones that are actually doing it. And, like, I don't know if it's, like, a satanic thing or, or what. In the end... The final scene, I want all the patients at midnight in the yard of the nursing home in their long, like, hospital gowns or, like, nightgowns holding hands like, around a fire, just, like, chanting. <laughs> Sorry, it's a very, I'm very specific very here, specific. but I'm yeah. just like, this is all I want. Anyway, so what, what have you got to throw I actually think then? that it's not really a wrench okay, okay, at all. Okay. Um, so my actor is Donald Pleasance, who is maybe, oh my like, God. I know. This is crazy. <laughs> Best known for Halloween. Oh, my God. He's, like, the, is he, like, the hospital administrator? Yeah, oh yeah my the psychiatrist. God. And then my element, and I think this works really well, too, is a 
It's actually based on something I'll talk about on Radar, but a sudden, mysterious, unexplained return. So someone's been missing for months or years, and oh they just show it back God. up unannounced. So, Ooh, maybe there's like an old Hollywood silent film star, like a Rudolph Valentino, yeah. or somebody that like they think died, died. or something, disappeared, never heard from again, yeah. and then they come back, and they're young. <gasps> and they're like, what happened? And like, that's I don't part know. of the circle, the satanic yeah. circle. They can call them back forth. Yeah, I don't know what the thing is. Or the is. thing I don't is, know yeah. what the whatever the thing, thing is. is. Okay, I don't like. I don't have that yet. As far as like, if it's like, yeah, that are they drawing energy from the or some, you know, like a Dorian Gray kind yeah. of situation? Are they trying to be young again, or I don't know if they're being possessed or it's just a cult thing? I don't. Yeah. I don't know what the thing is, but there's something mysterious happening, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, this old. Yes, yeah, star from the silent era or something like returns young, young. and then Ooh. they all want that. Oh yeah. Okay, I'm. Oh my I'm God. sold. This is yeah. maybe the best one I've ever done. I'm so excited. <laughs> I want this to happen. I want, want this to have existed. In, yeah. In the past, we're gonna go. But I know. We're gonna build our time machine. Oh, oh my God, I love it. We're gonna. I feel like if we could just transport back to the '70s, I feel like we could make it. This is gold. <laughs> and then like the, I want the soundtrack on vinyl too. <gasps> Ooh, Ooh, yeah. Okay, we're making it. Done. Okay, done <laughs> So, the working title, Stories of Bastards, colon, Born Under a Bad Star. That's the on the masking tape on the reels, but the title that I think would work would be The Cursing Home, instead <laughs> of The Nursing Home, or The Night Nurse, Ooh. or like a million other titles. I don't know. This yeah. is first thought stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High so, contrast film poster yeah. material. Mm, yeah, with Karen Black looking over her shoulder. She's Ooh. like horrified. Got to be like some a, Donald Pleasant's eyes in like Ooh, the corner. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got like a nurse's hat on, like a red cross. I don't know. Which no Iconic. nurse works, you know. <laughs> in the 70s, maybe. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about what's on our radar, what we've been watching, what we want to watch. So Meg, I don't know, maybe let's count to three and talk about an item on our, our radar. <laughs> let's just say, I don't know, just see what happens. Like on the count of three, after three, okay. say the title of the film. I don't know. So, <laughs> okay. One, two, three. Fugue. Fugue. Shit. What? <laughs> Okay, obviously, okay. we both figured out yeah. <laughs> just a moment ago, yes. because neither of us could pronounce the name of one of our radar things. Yes, that's and so funny. That's crazy. Okay. So what's your best? So together, guess. let's try let's to say same, her name. Okay, okay. At the same time, on the count of, wait, after the count of three, let me just give me one second, and then we'll... Okay, we're not... This is just making fun of us being stupid. This yeah. is making fun of the name. So, okay. On the count... Okay. One, two... Three. Agnieszka's Magnitska. <laughs> Sorry. That's just... Nope. <laughs> I would say okay. Agnieszka Smosinska. That's pretty much what I said. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> so, well, you tell me about it. Tell me, about, tell me all about it. Um, so I haven't seen her debut, Lure Hadju, no, which no. is supposedly a surreal mermaid horror musical. Uh, That's really not for I me. I mean, it's like, odd, I'm but I'm never like, going to see yeah, it. No. But, but based on really this, maybe yeah, it's good. Okay, people sorry. really liked it. On paper, I feel like... No, on paper, on no. On paper, Fugue but... seems like a real departure from yeah. Lure. She likes one-word titles, I guess. <laughs> 
So I guess I can describe it. I will. <laughs> it's okay. a dark tale of amnesia that spirals into a maze of identities while sharply yet elegantly questioning the role of women in modern societies. Oh, that, wow. That's a big, that's an ambitious. Okay, sorry. That's pulled straight from movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I'm not, I have I not like, seen wow. it. I want to see it. No. Um, oh, wait. Yeah. You haven't seen it? I have not. Oh, I have you seen have. it. You have? Oh, wait, wait. I have seen it. So okay. you can give me the straight dope. Yeah. It. So it's just basically about the return of a woman to her family after having disappeared for two years. She's been in a dissociative mm. fugue state and doesn't remember her former life at all, like her husband, okay. her kid, her family. Mm-hmm. It does have a very eerie and mysterious vibe. I mean, it was okay. I liked it, but mm. I wouldn't oh. like, I didn't love it. Oh, man. Um, I will say the initial scene when she comes back to her family's house, her parents' house, is like really fucking cool looking. And there's this whole solarium that I kept wanting to like crane my neck to look at. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. what's going on with this interior <laughs> solarium? Um, it does touch on one of my biggest fears, which is disappearing into a fugue state. Because did you read that New Yorker piece from a couple years ago about so. Hannah Up, who was this young teacher who like had, who she slipped into like several disassociative. <gasps> fugue states and eventually disappeared for good with no what? real like past trauma or anything like there's not really a reason wait wait she disappeared or her mind no, she disappeared okay, like okay. she fully <gasps> would go into a fugue state and disappeared several times oh, in the course oh of a few years and like so it's a real thing that happens to people and so it really terrifies me i have read oliver Sacks things you know about yeah. that kind of thing but oh yeah, my god i gotta read the article so okay. this is really scary <laughs> uh, this is scary yeah okay <laughs> Got anything else in your list? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> you so, go. We kind of merged. You merged in that. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, so I have seen that. <laughs> um, I also this morning watched Beyonce's Homecoming. Ooh. Which is just as impressive as everybody says. So I, I think uh, Homecoming is what the astrology kids call a big Virgo energy. <laughs> because everything is like... Sure relentlessly meticulous. I don't know. She's like the most famous Virgo. And so it's like every single thing she controls herself. Honestly, I just really don't have time for people who are unimpressed by Beyonce. I don't (laughs) want to hear it. What if we're really impressed by Solange like so much that we get a little distracted? That's like that pitchfork. That's a pitchfork listener opinion, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm coming from the fashion angle, maybe. That's that's, that's fair. That's fair. But I can just promise you that... One can hold in one's heart an appreciation for things like 90s power violence and Beyonce. So surely the haters can shut up about (laughs) their pitchfork-approved fondness for bands made up of men who wear, like, hats of some kind. I feel like this is the most common (laughs) Beyonce skeptic you hear. It's just someone with, I don't know, like, middle brow indie taste. It's not, they're not like, I like Solange. They're like, I like Uh, some dull, just, like, insufferable man band thing and somehow (laughs) they think that that gives them a personality is disliking something that a lot of people like most people like i'm just not i'm just not into it i we can just we can move on (laughs) and i also requested uh goodbye dragon in via the library silk road Mm -hmm. but it didn't come in time for this recording i was actually pretty sure it was going to be on canopy because they have a lot of siming lang's movies yeah uh, alas, I know you mentioned that it's one of James's favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's about the last screening of an old movie before a local cinema closes in Taipei. So I assume it's very quiet and melancholy, based Ooh, on the director's yes. other things. So yes. <laughs> probably yeah. it's like a little tonally, a little little calm for yes. um, this podcast. Anyway, I do look <laughs> forward to watching it, but I'm no. glad I found the movies I 
ended up picking. Yeah. Well, the only other things I want to mention were um, there's a lot of great film noir on the new Criterion channel. Uh, so Pushover is one from 1954. So kind of like a later film noir by Richard Quine, who directed several episodes of Columbo. So yeah, (laughs) that's some good, that's good chops. That's some good chops there. Um, And so if you like Double Indemnity, you might um, also like this kind of similar tale, also starring Fred McMurray as a cop who falls for a gangster's mall, and Kim Novak, who is the gangster's mall. And I think um, this is apparently before she, I guess, had her teeth fixed or something, because I I didn't recognize her for like 20 minutes. I was like, she looks a lot like... Kim Novak, and I was like, oh, wait, it is her, but her teeth are different. Whoa. Anyway, just a little side note yeah. there. Something I've noticed. Um, so, again, there are several great sort of more later, like, film noirs or films noir. I don't know anyway, it's on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those, uh, like, sons of bitches. Or, yeah, exactly. Or, uh, anyways. So, and also I was going to say that Criterion has uh, maybe all of, like, Juzo Atami's films on there including Tampopo and Supermarket Woman which we've mis- mentioned on here yeah. and I'm so excited so seriously like uh, was it a run don't walk and then <laughs> watch, right. watch those while they're on there because like, you never know with streaming so I know I'm very excited about those that's something I don't really get about the Criterion channel and they're kind of cagey about it. it's like are they just going to have their library mm. on there I know they're yeah. featuring certain things but I don't really get if, if they're it's, hosting all of that. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to switch out. I mean, rotating. who knows? I don't know how that works. Yeah. Like, is it just like a giant movie where they're like rotating? Yeah, I don't know. Because even if you have the rights to it to release on DVD, streaming rights are different. Right. So I wouldn't, I would never count on something to remain on there just as a, I don't know, just in yeah. general life. Just watch it while you can. Watch yeah. your top, your top 10 picks or whatever right now. Because you never know. Don't do like the Netflix queue lingering. Yeah. Oh, don't have any lingerers. Yeah. No. <laughs> Just power through. Yeah. It's usually worth it. Mm-hmm. Or not. Or do whatever you want. I don't know. I don't know your life. <laughs> Who cares? Just watch Jurassic Park again. <laughs> Fuck it. Well, thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to keep up with us or drop us a line at storyboardpod at gmail.com via Instagram at Storyboard Podcast or via Twitter at Storyboard underscore pod. All the links of the movies we talk about are in the episode notes. Till next time. It like, just fits Corraldo it. Like you're in a car, you're just like, just fits Corraldo that shit in there. Just, just you got to drag that boat over a mountain. You just, yeah. just, just pretty much enslave a whole village yeah. of people just, to jam this boat up a mountain. Yeah.